If you would turn to Matthew chapter 5, Matthew chapter 5, and this um, theme of the year for LBC, it's in your bulletin, Uh, it is going to be, um, you are the salt of the earth and you are the light of the world, and uh, a way to uh, encourage us to express that is be salty and shine brightly. And uh, that will be our theme for the year. And throughout the year, we're going to be talking about ways in which we um, can be witnesses for Christ as we have been singing and we heard in that song as well. And I want to say this uh, right at the start here. Uh, The purpose of this message this morning is not to make you feel guilty about not witnessing. Uh, I've been in services through the years, you know, I'm not getting any younger, and I've been in services where they really did lay it on us (laughs) for not witnessing for Christ. And there's a place for that kind of a challenge, okay? But um, I don't think that guilt is the best motivation for us to do the will of God, okay? I really mean that sincerely. Uh, I think uh, uh, what I want to do in the next few minutes together is uh, for us to see the... um, the value of salt and light and see the reason why Jesus used this to say that we are uh, the salt of the earth, we are the light of the world. Uh, With regards to evangelism, uh, you and I know that it is the sharing of the story of Christ as they just sang, the good news of how God took upon himself the sin and the shame of the world, how Jesus went to the cross and how he bore our sins there. And uh, all those who trust Christ as Savior. I like to say this when I'm talking to people. You know, if you, if you will today trust Christ as Savior, uh, two things will happen. Number one, you'll receive forgiveness of sin. Forgiveness of all sin. And number two, you'll receive the gift of eternal life. And when the time comes when the Lord calls, you go home to heaven uh, to be with him. This is great news. The German theologian Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote this. He said... Um, To tell others that the cause is urgent and that the kingdom of God is at hand. Remember, Jesus used that terminology because he was there as as the one who was offering the kingdom. But Bonhoeffer put it this way. To tell others that the cause is urgent and that the kingdom of God is at hand is the most loving and merciful act we can perform. Boy, that's saying a lot the most loving and merciful act we can perform, and the most joyous news we can bring and give to others. And I believe that's very certainly true. Now, as you look at uh, Matthew chapter 5, you will see that our Lord was speaking to a large crowd. text in the uh, New King James says, And seeing the multitudes, he went up to a mountain, and when he was seated with his disciples, uh, his disciples came to him. So there was a large group of people. And uh, in their mind and thinking, um, our Lord knew that they were thinking when it comes to uh, sharing the good news of a relationship with God, uh, this is primarily reserved for the priests and scribes and the rabbis. And Jesus is touching their thinking. He's challenging that type of thinking. And he says, no. He looks at the whole multitude, specifically the disciples who are following him. And he says, you are the salt of the earth and you are the light of the world. Oftentimes people will say, and maybe you've thought this too. You know, we look around and we see so many people without Christ, even in the Louisville area. 
And we say, Lord, how are, how are you going to reach these people? How are these people going to come to saving faith in Christ? And the interesting thing is when you look at our Lord's words here, you see that he wants to use us. And so there are those who the Lord wants us to minister to and share the good news of life in Jesus Christ. God answered that question. In fact, somebody said this, and I, 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 like, I like this a lot. God will do what we cannot do. And we know that God does the saving. Okay, there's a sense in which we don't save anybody. However, the Lord does use us to reach out to certain people. And in 1 Corinthians 9, the Apostle Paul said, uh, To the weak I become weak, and to others I, I minister to them, in order that I, I might save some. So there is a sense in which God uses us to bring others to saving faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. But I like uh, this uh, phrase that I found this week, this sentence actually. God will do what we cannot do. And obviously the Holy Spirit's got to work in someone's heart before they come to faith. But God will not do what we can do, that is, what we are supposed to do in our witness for Christ. And the point, of course, is God's method for reaching lost people is using people like you and me. Um, we, uh, You've heard this said before, we are the only Jesus that the world will see. People will not see the person of Christ. But Christ lives in us, and he uses us to minister, and he puts on our hearts other people who need Christ. And probably this morning, even as we're getting digging into this subject, you probably could say, you know, it's really true. There are some people I know who do not know Christ the Savior, and I'm really burdened for them. Now let me say that at this point again. That's, that's a good sign of spiritual health. If you're concerned about, maybe it's a family member, maybe it's a relative, uh, maybe it's somebody you work with, maybe it's somebody you see often, uh, maybe it's a neighbor, and you say, you know, I'm really burdened for that person. That is a good sign that the Holy Spirit is really working in your life. Keep the burden, okay? We'll talk more about what to do with that burden. It's interesting, we know real well, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, where the Lord said, the Lord Jesus said, You shall receive power after the Holy Spirit come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost part of the earth. And uh, you see that the Lord is saying, it does take the power of God for us to speak to people who really need Christ. And, and, and you may say, you know, sometimes I'm really hesitant to talk to somebody about their spirit. Listen, we all, we all struggle with that in one way or another. But the Lord says, if I burden you for somebody, I will give you the power to communicate enough that the Holy Spirit can use to bring that person to faith if that's what God's going to do in that person's life. Everyone we witness to will not be saved. But it's amazing what God will do in the lives of many. Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16, which was read this morning, summarizes the function of believers in the world, salt and light. And if you were, re, uh, were to reduce these two concepts into one word, I believe that word would be influence. I think the Lord allows all of us uh, and gives to all of us a sphere of influence. And within that sphere of influence, God wants to use you to encourage someone else 
who doesn't know Christ as Savior to come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Influence. In many ways, you've heard this many times, too. The church today is more influenced by the world than the world is influenced by the church. And uh, there are reasons for that, and I understand this. I really do. Uh, We understand what the Bible says, what's going to happen at the end of the age before Christ comes back again. There'll be a tremendous apostasy in the world. And there will even be within the, the professing church those who do not hold to the doctrines of the faith, those who do not believe that the Bible is the inspired word of God, those who do not believe that Jesus Christ is the only Savior. And that's within Christianity. Thank the Lord that you know, and he's spoken to your heart, and you know that the word of God is truth, and the truth of God is what needs to be communicated out in our world today. We need to have the influence. Looking at the text, you'll notice in verses 13 and 14, the you is in emphatic position. You, and John communicated this as he read it, you are the salt of the earth, and you are the light of the world. In other words, the world's corruption will not be affected, and the world's darkness will not be illuminated unless God's people shine the light and are salty in the good sense of the word. The word you also in both verses is plural. And it shows us the fact that it's the followers of Jesus Christ. It's the church, the body of Christ, that is called to be the world's salt and light. The church, together. In fact, uh, we're going to be looking in the coming year to do some more in the area of evangelism. Uh, I have a date, and we didn't announce it this morning, where some of us are going to get together. We're going to plan some things that we could do as a church to minister to people, and then at the same time, to speak to them about saving faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. You could say it this way, each grain of salt has its limited influence, but as the church collectively and scattered around the world witnesses and serves for Christ, great things can be done for him. And I'm amazed as I read some of the Christian periodicals of the things that certain churches are doing to reach people for Christ. And there's a lot of good ideas out there. And if you have a good idea, share it with us. We really need to hear it. Because we do want to reach, specifically in 2019, more people for Christ. I like where the William Carey, and this motivated him, and he used to have this sign in his place of study. His sign said, expect great things from God and attempt great things for God. It's pretty good, huh? There's a lot we could do for the Lord, and we want to look ahead in 2019 and ask the Lord, what, what really, Lord, can we be doing Uh, When we talk about being the salt of the earth, we recognize, we're going to touch a little bit more on this in a few minutes, that Jesus Christ himself is the source of our savor and of our light. Jesus himself, John the Baptist said, he is the true light which coming into the world lightens or enlightens every man. Now now that Christ, of course, has ascended back up into heaven uh, and he indwells us, we are the light of the world. We are the ones who are representatives of Jesus Christ. We reflect the life of Christ in others. In fact, the Apostle Paul mentioned this too. In fact, uh, this is one of the ways where you look at Scripture and you say, you know, Christ said something, and then the apostles build on that, uh, the teaching of Christ. Well, here's one clear example. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8, listen to these words of Paul. Paul said, You were formerly darkness, 
But now you are light in the Lord, so walk as children of light. Before you and I were saved, we were in spiritual darkness. People who do not know, do not know Christ uh, are in spiritual darkness. They don't understand the things that we do. And that's why we need the power of the Lord. We need the work of the Holy Spirit if we're going to communicate the gospel. Haven't you at one time or another talked to somebody about the Lord and you come away and you say, I don't think they really understand, <laughs> understood what I was saying. And they don't. Many don't. Unless the Holy Spirit is bringing them around and uh, opening their heart uh, to see the beauty of Christ and their need for Christ. So uh, don't get discouraged um, if you've been praying for someone like I think many of us, maybe all of us have been doing. People who do not know Christ and times passing by. See, here we are, uh, 2019. And I know some people I've been praying for. I know a Muslim lives in Flower Mound. Doesn't know the Lord yet. And, you know, from my perspective, I don't think he sees his need. Well, who's going to do it? It's got to be the Lord, right? I mean, I can tell him that Jesus Christ is the only Savior. And he came and he loves you. you know, but only the Spirit of the Lord can work in his heart and cause him to see his need for the Lord Jesus Christ. Apostle Paul said, you are... Uh, you were rather formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Remember I said all I want us to get out of this message this morning is this great reminder that we are salt and we are light. We are God's salt uh, to retard rather corruption in the world, and we are God's light in order to communicate to others the very truth of God. Now, I want to talk about salt for a little bit. And by the way, I like salt. I brought my salt shaker with me this morning. I really do. And I realize there are people who say, salt can be bad for you. You know, you can put too much salt on it. I won't say what I should say. What I was going to say. There's salt substance. But you know what? You can't beat salt. And for people who start trying to stay away from a little bit too much, I'm going to give a little reminder. I wasn't going to do this, but I'm going to do it anyway. Um, I thought I shouldn't do it, but I'm going to do it anyway. Um, Someone in this very church fellowship a number of years ago left in an ambulance, went to the hospital, and I talked to her later in the afternoon. I said, what's your diagnosis? said, the doctor said I didn't have enough salt. I said, I'm going to bring a box over. No, I didn't say that. I didn't say that. But uh, salt has always been valuable in human society. During a period of ancient Greek history, salt was called, wait to hear this, divine. The Romans believed that except for the sun, except for the sun, nothing was more valuable than salt. In fact, Roman soldiers were paid in salt. How would you like your boss to come up next week and say, hey, here's your, here's your, they give you a, bottle, a box of Morton salt. But the Roman soldiers were paid in salt. And from this practice comes these expressions like earning his salt or worth his salt. In fact, it's interesting that S-A-L, sal, in Latin S-A-L means salt, from which we get the word salary. Isn't that interesting? Paid in salt. 
Salt was extremely valuable. Now do you see, get a little better picture of why Jesus is saying to his disciples, his followers, you are the salt of the earth. Salt was used in Old Testament times to bind a covenant, a contract between two people. Uh, like a contract being notarized today, the salt was used. The individuals in a covenant agreement ate salt together before witnesses with regards to their agreement together. In fact, and, and we're not going to read it, but in Second Chronicles 13.5, it says God made a covenant of salt with David. God made an interesting connection with the human family by using salt. You say, well, how can that be? Well, let's think through it. Our bodies depend upon it. You may uh, say, well, maybe that was overstating it, that you know we really need to use salt. Not really. Our bodies need salt. And furthermore, our taste buds respond very well to salt. i, I got to say this one too. <laughs> Would you rather have some potato chips with no salt or potato chips with salt? Thank you. <laughs> Our taste buds respond to salt. And uh, God's way of uh, communicating to us the effectiveness and the awesomeness of his promises is to use a covenant of salt. So we answer the question, why did God initiate salt covenants? And the answer is to reveal his unbreakable relationship with his people. God, when he made a promise to his people, and it was an unconditional promise. Now, there were some conditional promises in the Old Testament. But there were some unconditional promises, like the promise he made to Abraham. What did he promise Abraham? A son and a land. And he kept his promise. He gave him a son and he gave him a land. In the Old Testament economy, after Making a covenant, both parties again shared salt. Sometimes they ate the salt to show the binding aspect of the promises that were made. We always need to keep in mind, and, and this is a wonderful way to um, teach others, especially children, about God. That our God is a God who keeps his promises. Key verse some of you mark your Bibles. Some of you have Bibles that aren't marked, but that's okay. It's Numbers 23:19, where it says, God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. He has said, and will it not happen? Will he not do it? Or has he spoken, and will he not make good? Wow. I think we need to remind ourselves from time to time. In fact... Um, one of the ways that we can be really encouraged, especially when discouragement begins to creep in, is to remind ourselves of the promises of God. And there are many promises of God relating to all, uh, let's say, yeah, all the areas of our lives. Uh, all the areas of our lives. There's promises with regards to the future. There's promises with regards to today. Oh, I know you know it. Philippians 4.19, my God shall supply, not some of them, right? All your needs. Boy, that's encouraging. Because you see, you, better than someone else, 
can say, I know the needs of my life. So what does the Lord want me to do? I know my needs. I have to take them to him and say, Lord, I need you to supply. This need is before me. And you have promised in your word that you will supply my need. It's good to use the word of God as you go into the presence of the Lord. He keeps his promises, definitely. Or has he spoken and will he not make good? Numbers 23, 19. Now those who heard the Lord Jesus, and there's a multitude, there's all kinds of people. When they heard him say, you are the salt of the earth and you are the light of the world. Wow. They understood that he was saying that he wanted his followers to have some great responsibility to communicate spiritual truth, to communicate him uh, to those who were listening at that time. Salt uh, preserved and flavored. Most people understand this. Uh, I jotted down. Now, you could probably jot some more things down, but I think this kind of takes care of it. If you say, what does salt do? Uh, it cleanses, it preserves, it seasons, and in some cases, you, I think you could say it heals. You know, if you ever had a sore throat and you take salt water and you gargle, well, what's it do? It's, it's helping the situation. It's a healing agent. Well, back in biblical times, there were no refrigerators, and so salt was absolutely necessary. A meat of any kind, whether it was fish, poultry, beef, whatever, it would rot in the heat of that time unless it was preserved with salt. Now, it's interesting also that Jesus said, and I want to notice this with you just briefly, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, and, of course, there were those back in that day who would take salt and they would mix it with things, and it wouldn't have the, um, the quality to function as salt if it was mixed with other things. It's something about it. But um, Jesus said, if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing. I remember my mom once in a while used to say, now don't be good for nothing. Do something about what She used that phrase. Jesus didn't mean that if you're a Christian and you're not actively out there serving, he didn't say that he wouldn't love you anymore. That's not the implication. The implication is, in fact, you look at the text and you see that he's saying when, it, when you're talking about the function of being effective with non-Christians, non-believers, if you're not salty, you won't be effective in your influence with someone who's not a Christian. That's what he meant by that. Uh, good for nothing. He's not saying, that, oh, God won't love you anymore. It's, it's not the implication. The implication is really being useful in impacting the world for Christ. Now, when you look at the text, I looked at the text too, uh, and um, I asked myself this question, what can we do to make ourselves more salty? Right? Because we don't want to lose the savor of saltiness. What do we do? Well, here's not what happens. It's not the fact that I study the Bible more. It's not the fact that I come more to the house of the Lord when there's opportunities. It's not those things. What makes a believer more salty, and I have a text to prove it, by the way, is our spending time with the Lord. It's, it's spending time with Jesus Christ. 
It's acknowledging the fact that he is our Lord and our Savior, and he is worthy uh, to be known by people we know who don't know him. The more Jesus is allowed to uh, govern our lives, the more light will shine out from our own experience as believers. And I take this from Acts chapter 3 and Acts chapter 4. You don't need to turn there, but I want to explain it to you. Remember in Acts chapter 3, Peter and John went to the temple to worship the Lord, and there was a lame man there at the temple. And uh, Peter said to him, Silver and gold I do not have, but what I have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Miracle class one. And he took him by the hand and lifted him up immediately, and his feet and his ankle bones received strength. That's how Luke recorded the work of that miracle. Well, then the uh, scribes and Pharisees, you go in 3 and 4, they said, uh, by what means was this man made whole? I mean, wh- what's, it, what's, what's happening here? What, what's happening? And, of course, Peter and John said, in the name and power of Jesus Christ, whom you crucified, he was raised up. And then they said, neither is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. There is only one Savior. Then when you look at the text of Scripture in Acts chapter 4 down in verse 13, you'll notice that the text says, don't miss this, the text says, then they realized that these men had been with Jesus. They recognized the fact that, wow, these men are, well, Jesus of Nazareth, he also performed miracles. He also claimed to be God the Son. And so they looked and they saw, well, these were followers of Jesus Christ. And you see, when you and I spend time with the Lord and we, we get we're really excited about the Lord, and we, we, you know, you, you drop this when you're talking sometimes. You say, you know, boy, the Lord's been so good to me. Aha, there it is. Somebody will hear you say that. Someone will hear you say, you know, the Lord helped me in this. The Lord helped me to overcome this problem. The Lord helped me with this habit. Then he gets honored and glorified. And you see, Christ is exalted as the Lord and the Savior. You're functioning as one who has light and salt. I thought it was all interesting to notice in the passage that Jesus talked about not having your light under a bushel. Or a basket. And the idea there is this. uh, It was vitally important for families to have a a light in the house. And to keep it burning slowly was important. And so in order to do that in the daytime, they would put it under a bowl, the lamp under a bowl, uh, during the daytime. But when night came, they were to take the bowl off and the light would shine in the whole house. So likewise, what our Lord is saying is we live in a dark world and people need to see the light and we have that message of life and light in the Lord Jesus Christ. Light is useless unless it comes in contact with darkness. Uh, Don't hide your light under a bowl, the Lord said. And getting back to the salt analogy, salt is useless unless it it gets out of the shaker. And so (laughs) the Lord was saying, don't stay in the shaker. You know, get out. Uh, allow your life to be used to influence others for the Lord Jesus Christ. As believers, I believe, and I'll, I'll uh, take this with you. I believe I need to, that we need to have greater contact 
with those who are lost. And uh, it, there's nothing wrong with enjoying fellowship with one, one another in the body of Christ. And we need to do that. We need the fellowship. But remember the Lord Jesus said, As the Father has sent me, I send you also out into the world. In other words, we have to be careful of what, and I remember the first time I heard this terminology was at Dallas Seminary, where they used to say, now remember, don't become too involved in the holy huddle. The holy huddle, being around believers all the time. Listening to Christian radio, going to a Christian barber, going to a grocery store where there are Christians at the counter. Um, all kinds of Christian things. Listen, there's nothing wrong with that. The only thing is, we have to be careful that we're not always only around believers. Am I doing that okay? You catch the idea? We God wants us to be around, not, and it's not easy. I'm going to tell you, it's not easy. It's not easy. Um, I have neighbors, and my contacts with them sometimes are so very brief. And uh, yet, I've said to some of them now, uh, and we're going to go to lunch someday, and we're not going to the steakhouse, by the way, but we're going to go to lunch someday. And uh, they said, okay, I would like to do it. We really need to do this. Because we often hear that the question is asked, what did Jesus do? And I saw a little something where someone jotted down five things in relationship to Jesus Christ and reaching the world. The first one is that in the word of God, in fact, Luke chapter 7, verse 34, the scribes and the Pharisees say, you're the friend of sinners. He was, wasn't he? He really was. You're the friend of them. And, and that was meant to be negative towards Christ, Luke 7, 34. Another one uh, jotted down. Jesus went into the house of sinners, Luke 19, uh, verse uh, 10. Uh, to Zacchaeus, Jesus said, Make haste and come down today, for I must stay at your house, Luke 19, 3. He says, I'm coming to your house. We're going to talk things over. I thought that was really interesting. I really do. Number three Jesus invited sinners to eat with him. And when you look at the Matthew 9, 9 through 11 passage, well, I'll read part of it. <clears throat> it says in Matthew 9, As Jesus sat down at the table in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. <laughs> I thought that was interesting that his guests are called uh, tax collectors. They're IRS guys. And they're sinners. Wow. And so then the religious leaders said this. They said, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus responded and said, those who are well don't need a physician, but those who are sick. I did not come to call the self-righteous, but the sinner to repentance. The fourth one was, Jesus stated clearly, the Son of Man, after the incident with Zacchaeus, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save the lost. That's why he came. And the fifth one, if you keep jotting these down, what did Jesus do in relationship to the lost? Jesus sent us to do the same. And in John chapter 20, he says, As the Father has sent me, even so I send you into the world. Salt and light. Salt and light. We have been sent. We're saved. We're on our way to heaven. 
But we still live in a world that's dark with sin, a world that's getting darker, I believe, a world that um, is in such need of, uh, we would say in our country, we say our, our country is such need of revival, and that's true. But again, the Bible says before Christ comes back again, in the last days perilous times shall come. Men shall be lovers of themselves and not lovers of God. But for you and me, we are the salt of the earth. God will use our influence with those who don't know Christ. And he's probably using your influence right now. Some of you probably say, yeah, God, God is using me. Some people at work, a neighbor, a relative, and you're the light of the world. And there will be occasions in which the Lord will allow you to speak about him. And when you do, in a careful way, the Holy Spirit takes what you say and puts it down into the mind and the thoughts of those who do not know Christ. And they will say, in their own mind and thinking, this person, you, knows someone, Jesus, who they do not know. I have on the piano here little yellow cards. Uh, we have given these out before. It's called Four for Christ. And you will remember in 1 Peter 3.15, Apostle Peter tells us, be ready to give an answer to everyone who asks the, hope, uh, the reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. And uh, someone in this fellowship said they put four names down. And they said, I, I have actually seen, not all of them come to Christ, I've actually seen God open up opportunities for me to share my knowledge of Jesus Christ with these people. That's how you get started to be ready. Uh, to be ready to share Christ. Yes, we have to know what the gospel is. Christ died for our sins. He was buried and he rose again. Um, he died and paid the price for our sins. And without him, we cannot go to heaven. We need to know the gospel. But we start by praying for people who really keep it in your Bible. I mentioned again, I'm going to repeat it. There's someone in this fellowship who said, all four on my card, all four, and these were given out about three to four years ago, all four on my card, I've had an opportunity to not only pray for them, but to say something about Jesus Christ to them. So, so interesting. Also, uh, there are some of the, my favorite tracks are over there. has a horse on the front, and if you want one of these, take one if you would today. If you need more, let me know. But uh, this, this starts this way. Listen to this just carefully. Has anyone ever taken a Bible and shown you how you can know for sure that you're going to heaven? That's a good track. That is a good track. That you can know for sure that you're going to heaven. And I'm sure this is true of you as well. There are some people who say, well, now, I, I don't know for sure. Um, you can know for sure. 1 John chapter 5, verse 13. So um, we need to, again, remember, coming out of Matthew 5, that we are salt, we are salt, and we are light for those who do not know Christ. Let's pray together.